Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure. I'm James King, the Bankers Europe editor, and I'm joined today by Phil Middleton, Deputy Chairman of the Official Monetary and Financial Institutions Forum, and also Chairman of the Digital Monetary Institute, to discuss the outlook for central bank digital currencies in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Phil, thanks so much for being here today. Over the last few years, we have seen a lot of momentum, a lot of push uh, behind the development of central bank digital currencies for a number of reasons, but sort of in light of, of the current situation in light of of the COVID-19 pandemic, to what extent have these events really accelerated some of those trends in the central bank digital currency space? Well, James, a central bank digital currency has been kicking around as uh, an idea in the the boiler rooms of central banks for, for, for a number of years and indeed in its wholesale version in the private sector for, for some time. But what's really propelled it into the governor's office and uh, close to the top of the policy in tray has been a couple of things. The first was the putative launch of Libra last summer, where we suddenly saw the prospect of a completely private sector digital currency issued by a major global player emerging. Um, And that woke the authorities up um, quite considerably. And then post-COVID, we started to have the debate um, most saliently in the US Congress about helicopter money and how you you get small sums of money to vast numbers of of voters. Um, And so the whole thing has been given a new lease of life. Uh, and it very much is the, the the topic of the moment currently. And some of those more abstract conversations are really hardened to some extent, and there is now a genuine a genuine push underway to to launch uh, a currency within the the near to medium term. Well, I think it's moved from being an interesting theoretical debate into a genuine policy option. And remember that there. There's a range of reasons why you might wish to introduce a digital currency and not one size fits all. And therefore, there are a number of experiments happening or starting to happen around the globe. These range from jurisdictions that think actually improving the underlying current payment system is the best way to go to others who think that getting rid of cash entirely would be a very good idea. When we look at sort of I guess the landscape of CBDCs in the coming years, you've written here a post titled The Next Payment Frontier, and that really will look, as you say, like a very rich and varied landscape in terms of what different CBDC options will look like in in the future. Yes, and I think one has to differentiate between retail CBDC and wholesale or stablecoin type CBDC. I think one has to look at how it might apply to retail consumers and small business enterprises, and indeed whether upgrading payment infrastructure around the world uh, really does need CBDC. Um, Are there other ways of doing it? And there are are one or two, certainly private sector um, firms out there who think that CBDC is, is a massive red herring and that if you wish to improve and payments infrastructure, there, there, there are other cheaper, better ways of doing it. So in terms of that relationship between the private sector and central banks or national authorities more, more generally, you're saying here that there isn't sort of a uniform approach here, there is some kind of contention at least between those, those, two, those two actors? 
Oh, I think we're going to see the evolution of very close partnerships between public and private sector. Uh, the public sector, I think, has come to two big conclusions. One is they do not want to see any large-scale privately issued currencies challenging fiat sovereignty, potentially posing a threat to financial stability. However, they also recognize that central banks are ill-placed to launch and run a retail digital currency. Um, so if you had an account-based CBDC, for example, where every citizen had an account at the central bank, logistically, that is an impossibility for, for central banks at the moment, and they don't really want to go there. So we're starting to see the emergence of thinking around uh, a partnership where, if you like, the central bank provides the rails and the private sector runs trains on it, or, or indeed vice versa. So both sides, or both parties, private sector and public, have concluded that they can't do without the other. Right. Okay. And are these sorts of trends something we're seeing more in advanced economies or advanced uh, markets? No, depending on the policy objectives, you are seeing this amongst a range of markets. So, for example, if I'm running a small island economy with my citizens across a number of islands, like Fiji, for example, or, or the Bahamas, even transporting cash around my economy um, is very, very difficult. You know, notes get wet. So being able to replace it with, with something digital um, is enormously important. Um, so my policy objective may be to take physical cash out uh, of the economy for, for, for that reason. Um, there are other economies that who would like to have a much closer record and view of transaction data, particularly their police and revenue authorities, than they have at the moment. So that may be another motivation. There is a range of policy motivations around the world which are leading to numbers of experiments. PBOC, People's Bank of China, has a, uh, announced a couple of pilot programs here, and uh, clearly they're looking very hard at it as a uh, for example, a, a virtual currency on the Belt and Road Initiative. So variety of, of countries, variety of players, I don't think one can say that some are more advanced than others at the moment. So there are, as you say, a range of um, policy motivations in place, but the one commonality, it seems, that does exist is in terms of the challenges that face uh, nation states looking to deploy a CBDC. And, and here I'm thinking of uh, the interoperability of um, CBDCs. Um, this is something you've written about, um, Phil, in terms of within national economies, but also across borders. Um, could you break down how that challenge is going to manifest itself, I guess? At one time, certainly pre-COVID, we had thought that international cooperation and standardization around CBDC would, would, would be a feature. We now think that that's less likely and that experiments initially will occur within national borders or indeed within within currency borders. Seeing the, the announcement of the, the ECB setting up a working group to examine how you drive a, a digital uh, euro. If you work on a model that says, for example, individual banks can operate CBDC using the existing payment infrastructure and it's going to be account-based, 
do use the same readers, shall we say, that you currently use for contactless cards and contactless payments? How do you indicate that you're using central bank money rather than private sector money? How do you operate between cards, between schemes? Or do you indeed need a, a, another payment system or infrastructure entirely? Because one of the reasons for putting CBDC in place is to give you a resilient backup payment system um, in case your existing one, for whatever reasons, goes down. And indeed, COVID has sparked an awful lot of thinking uh, uh, about the question of resilience um, redundancy uh, in many parts of the economy, including payments. Issues multiply when you start looking across border. Because as we've said that there is unlikely to be a one-size-fits-all for CBDC in different countries because people have uh, different policy objectives, they'll be using different technologies, they'll be working with different partners. That complicates the technical issues of interoperability um, cross-border um, between currencies, between jurisdictions, between uh, different operators, between different central banks, but also the international regulation supervision. Clearly, there will be a field day for my learned friends in the legal profession. So we really are at the start of uh, a very, very big adventure. Um, there are going to be some false turns uh, along the way, many, I, uh, I would surmise, but it, it, it is going to be quite exciting. It's also very interesting and challenging for existing commercial banks. Uh, on the one hand, there is potentially a great opportunity here to start reinventing, rethinking their role in payments. On the other, the current payment system suits a lot of commercial banks very well, given that in, in Europe, by some estimates, 50% of uh, bank profits, or many bank profits, come from payment-related activities. And some of the inefficiencies inherent in current structures do uh, actually aid that profitability. So I think there's uh, some fascinating challenges there ahead of us. Sure. So we're definitely talking about a very a deeply disruptive sort of inflection point here. And as you've you've argued previously, Phil, it really is a question of not if, but but when and where these currencies are, are developed um, in the near future. I think that's a fair summary, James. Yes. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate that, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on this space um, as it as it progresses. Thanks again. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. 
We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.